Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and I got to tell you, I'm really excited today. We're talking with two very successful entrepreneurs who are doing things a little bit differently. And I think you're gonna learn a ton from this interview. Today we're talking with Brian and Shannon Miles who are co-CEOs and co-founders of Belay. They're a leading US-based virtual solutions company. Belay has over 600 team members all working from home remotely without an office. And they have been in the Inc. 5000 three times. They've been awarded the number one spot in Entrepreneur Magazine's best company culture. Uh, And they provide virtual assistants that do bookkeeping, copywriting, webmaster services, all kinds of stuff. Um, and, uh, and we're actually a client have been a very happy client for a number of years now. And, uh, and Brian and Shannon have both written books recently. And I think, uh, I think that's going to be the most interesting part of this. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, touch on each of those briefly. Um, and I think you're going to learn a ton from this. So Brian, Shannon, welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Great to have you here. So just to give everybody a little bit of context, what what got you to this stage in, in business? What what brought you to this point? Well, we woke up one day and we were this huge organization. It was overnight. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> That's the way it always happens, right? All right. Yeah, just overnight. We just thought, dreamed it up and then it like happened. It was crazy. Um, no, seriously, this has been a journey for us. We started the company almost eight years ago now, which is hard to believe. Um, but we were both working in separate corporations um, in different roles. And for various reasons, those two seasons of our, our careers had really clearly started to come to an end. Like we really wanted to make a change that was bigger than just the next position in the company. And in the back of our minds, we'd always wanted to have our own business. And at that point, we were in our early to mid 30s, had two young kids, and we're like, okay. We've got this 401k. Why don't we use that to fund the business? And if it doesn't work, at least we'll have some time to recover. (laughs) And that was uh, in 2010 during the midst of the recession. So, you know, all the reasons to, you know, quit your jobs and and start a company, right? Actually, I think that's the best time to start, you know? Um, It turns out that that is the case. You know, there's, um, you know, we had had doubts like everybody, but we also had – um, envisioned, I think, a, a good future, and we wanted to start walking in that direction, um, even when it didn't make practical sense or it didn't make logical sense that we would do something like this, where we'd bankrupt our 401k and leave great jobs uh, with young kids. You know, but it it's it's paid off. We're very grateful. Yeah, and and uh, you've really built the leading company in in your industry, and and it's a new industry. It's a rapidly growing industry. Um, yeah. You know, with this this whole idea of of transitioning the workforce to this virtual workforce, um, and not just virtual in terms of they're not in the office with you, but in terms of hey, they're not your employee anymore, um, is it, such a huge trend right now, and and uh, we have capitalized on it as I've said, and um, that it had to be probably something a little bit more crazy and hectic than a straight line path to get from where you started to here. What are some of the things that, that you ran into and, and how did you push through? Uh, and I'm particularly interested in how you were able to do that together because you've got the added complication of being married. And so every, every business problem is at the same time a very personal problem and had to yeah. be, it's a different situation than most business owners have to deal with. Yeah, we have been married now over 20 years. 
So we were over halfway, you know, to this point when we started the business and we are gifted very differently. And for a lot of reasons, that's a wonderful thing, but obviously that can also, also cause tensions to manage when you're coming at one problem from two totally different perspectives. Fortunately, we had figured out how to navigate those situations being married so that when we started the business together, we kind of knew what Brian was good at, what I was good at, what we were passionate about in the business. And we could look at a problem. And even though we didn't see it the same way, we would know like, okay, this is really your call in this situation. So I'll defer to you. Like I'll give my input, I'll be heard, but like it's, it's your call to make. And so I think just with this fundamental like love and respect that we have for each other, it translated really well into the business. Now the stressful times were, you know, when we were getting started and you're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay the mortgage? What have we done? <laughs> we're going to ruin our kids, <laughs> you know, like all the eggs in the basket. Right. But, um, one of the things that we decided early on that has informed so many of our decisions in the business is that we wanted to really own it and not run it. And I'll let Brian explain more how we came to that decision, but it, it affected decisions to like hire sooner than we would have to bring people on the team to support us so that we weren't the ones to have to do everything. And I think that has been a key to making the partnership and the marriage survive the business. Yeah. Um, back in the summer of 2011, uh, I was climbing a mountain with a good friend of ours. that has been wildly successful in business. His name is Jeff and, and Jeff and I were on the grand Teton at about 10,000 feet. And I made some comment in the tent, um, about, you know, owning my business. And he just stopped me kind of midstream and said, you don't own anything. And I'm like, yes, I own something. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> seven months in, you know, feeling confident, you know, and he goes, you don't own anything right now. He said, the day that the business doesn't need you day to day is the day that you own the business until then you run a business. And I, that was like, you know, a gong in that tent that day. And so we climbed to the top, we came back down and Shannon was in Jackson hole. And I, I told her, I'm like, this, we've got to change the way we're operating this business. I want to own this thing. We should own it, not run it. And so that's become really a mantra for us. And it's informed a lot of our decisions from that point. I, that's a, I think a key mindset shift. So that at an early stage in the business, that requires some, some real courage because to get there, you've got to spend money that um, is, is probably in short supply in the business in those early days. How yeah. did you grapple with those decisions? What were some of the first hires that you made? How'd you, how'd you work through that? Well, you know, fortunately I, I was able to sell most of the contracts in our business for the first 18 months, you know, and, and, um, and we got the, we got to black around month 14. So that was when in our sales. So we did have some cash on hand that was accelerating because we have a recurring revenue business. Um, but I, you know, we, early on bringing on the sales volume that we had and we, we we were very fortunate to have a guy like Michael Hyatt you know talk about us in the early days we call him our Oprah you know he, <laughs> he, 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 he got us in so many new places and verticals and so we, we really needed help on the execution side of our business which is really Shannon at the time was what she was really truly overseeing and including the operations of the business and so we scaled in that area and we've empowered people to run that side of our business 
Yeah, and we used contractors for a long time, the first being an assistant for Brian, who was his assistant in his old company. Like, we really practiced what we preached. Mm -hmm. The second was to outsource our bookkeeping, bookkeeping. because when we were getting everything set up, it it seems cheaper to do the work yourself, right? Mm -hmm. It seems like, oh, it's too expensive, I can't afford to hire somebody else to do that. But when you're honest about the value of your time, Mm -hmm. and where you would get the greatest return from investing your time, for me, bookkeeping was not that thing. Like, that's not not my skill set, not my training. And it was actually cheaper to find somebody else to do it. Mm-hmm. So those were like our first two disciplines that we outsourced. And then I brought on an assistant for myself and then we could finally start like affording to bring people on payroll. Wow. So I, I guess in those early days, you're still kind of managing things, but you've got people that are, that are doing the work. Um, and so at this point now you're eight years in, have you transitioned to, to a situation where you've got the team managing In other words, it's self-managing. Yeah. You know, going back real quick on that point, we were managing things. Um, it, but it was our vision of where we wanted to be. We envisioned ourselves owning and allowing people to really run the business. And so when you're managing things, and this is true of any business like that's starting off or an early struggle. You know, where you are in early struggle is temporary if you keep doing the right things and you've got a vision for where the business can go and you've got passion and heart behind it. And we had that. We, we still do today. But, you know, you've, you've got to envision and see yourself in that direction before, even though you are, you know, washing bottles in many directions. Mm-hmm. So but today, I mean, we we've um, as co-CEOs, we have a CFO and a COO now that really run the day-to-day of the business with the leadership team we have in place. And um, that leadership team is responsible for all aspects of the business. And, and Shannon and I can work on the on the things that we see that are important to us that will help accelerate the business as co-CEOs to the company. So we really truly today own this business um, and not, not run it. Yeah. You know, so few businesses ever make that leap. And uh, I know a lot of people listening to this are going to, you know, it's that whole, uh, you know, Michael Gerber work on the business or work in the business. And I hear that so many times when we're talking, whether it's with clients or or potential clients or when I'm out speaking, everybody likes to refer to that. But very few people know how to get from point A to point B. Um, and, And I see so many business owners struggling with it. And at the end of the day, you know, they get 30 or 40 years in and they want to leave the business. And because they haven't made that transition like you guys have made, they they really don't have an asset to sell because to your point, they don't own anything, right? There's nothing to sell. They got a job. They just happen to be the boss. So if you're talking to somebody who's in kind of that position and they see the vision, every, every, I think every entrepreneur sees it and they want to get there, but Sometimes it's really difficult to see the path. What would you what would you say to them as they're listening right now? I think there's three things. The first is trust. You have to trust other people to take on what you currently own in the business. The second is training. You have to train them to do not just the job that you've been doing, but to train and guide them to what you envision for their role. And then I think you have to transition. You have to get out of their way and truly allow them to lead so that every decision doesn't have to filter through you. Every idea doesn't have to come from you. Every problem doesn't have to be solved by you. So if you trust them 
and you need to, like, that's the underpinning of all of this to make this work and you train them well, and then you transition out. That's how you can grow your business as quickly as we have, as well as really get out of it being just your job, but to, to own it and not run it. You know, we, we see a lot, a lot of business owners that the, the reason they stay small, or there's a couple of reasons. One is they're just happy with, and they're having fun. And they know the pain it would take to kind of scale up from there. Um, the, but there's another group of businesses that stay small. And it's because that owner has decided they have to be the hero to everything. Hmm. And they have to solve every problem. And everything has to go through them. And we, we see that a lot. Um, and we just, we're not heroes. You know, like we've, we've taught our team, look, don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions to those problems. And we'll talk through those. Or you'll give me your best ideas for how we solve these problems. And over time people are empowered to just solve problems in our business and they can be the hero. And then they hopefully that replicates itself throughout our business as we grow up as well. But we just decided that we didn't need to be the hero and solve everything that there's plenty of great people. Like Shannon said, that we trust and, and you know, ideally that's the currency in our business is trust. We trust them to execute uh, on behalf of our business. Yeah. Brian, as I was going through your book that you, you put so much emphasis in the beginning of that book on this idea of trust being kind of the central theme in your company culture. Um, and um, and I, I love the way that you framed that. Uh, but that's a difficult thing to do. That, I mean, for most people, they get so worried that something's going to get messed up. And, I, you know, it's fine. I used to, um, in my previous career, was in engineering. And we used to uh, build these large subdivisions and, and put, you know, big, massive pipes in the ground. And if you messed that up, there was a real monetary consequence and it had lots of zeros behind it. And, you know, never forget the client we'd had for 25 years. He said, you know, he never worried about mistakes as long as they were paper problems. He's like, you guys have systems in place and you lean into problems and, and all of that's great, but mistakes never bother me because most of the time they're just paper problems. Yeah, if we put a pipe in the ground the wrong place, that's a big deal and, and it's going to have to get fixed and there's going to be a consequence for it. But 90% of the time, the the problems are, are really a lot less significant than we make them out to be. Um, and sometimes putting that in perspective is, is really, really useful. Um, you know, as we record this, um, I just back from visiting my dad, he just had open heart surgery. Okay. I get if you're, if you're like an open heart surgeon, you can't really have a lot of room for mistakes, but for all of the rest of us, like the rest of the, you know, seven point, you know, two, eight billion people on the planet, however many there are minus the few heart and brain surgeons, mistakes aren't that painful. Um, but sometimes we make them out to be this crazy, crazy thing. Um, and and the, the approach that you described and, and having worked with your people, um, you know, we've got one of your team members is a member of our team. And, and um, it's so refreshing, like when they come to you and they know and we tell them up front, look, if you make a mistake, it's no big deal. Like, let's just use it as a learning. As long as we learn from it, we're OK. And because you guys have already put that into them, there's no fear. And I think that's one of the big things that causes people problems. In fact, I have a client right now that we're working with where their employees um, are so afraid to make a decision that now everything gets delegated back up to the CEO and the CEO is never getting out of that role. Yep. You know, and, um, and I, I, to me, that, that mind shift, mindset shift is, is the key to getting to where you guys are today. And, and uh, congratulations on recognizing it. 
Thank so, you. Thank and you the, I mean, the point about healthcare is so perfect. That's the industry I came from before we started this. Like my client was a hospital. And so I remember even in the early days and I say it now, guys, we don't work in an ER. Like nobody's going to die if we mess this up. So we would rather have speed and agility and quick changes in the business knowing that we're not going to get it perfect out the gate, but also knowing nobody's going to die as a result right. of it. So I completely identify with that analogy. It's true, but it, it, those kinds of like get ahead of yourself and like, let's for the speed and the sake of the business, let let's take some risks and knowing that, yeah, there are going to be you know mistakes and problems along the way that gives everybody the freedom to try, you know? And like you said, it gives, they're not afraid to, make a decision and know that they're going to be backed up even if it wasn't the right one. We've all made those mistakes. Yeah, everybody has and, and nobody's immune. And I, I think that's a, a, a really great point for uh, everybody listening who owns a business to know at some point you were the one that made the mistakes and somebody trusted you. That's right. So to turn that around. So on that point, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from Brian and Shannon. And Shannon's got a new book coming out. We're going to hear all about that. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Steve. I hope you're enjoying this interview. We've got more to come in a minute. But what I'd love for you to do right now is rate this podcast. Leave us a review. Rate us on iTunes. It'll really help others discover the podcast and help us help other CEOs, other business leaders become unstoppable. So if you go to unstoppableceo.net, forward slash iTunes. You can find instructions there and links that will take you right to where you need to go to review the podcast. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. Welcome back. We're here with Brian and Shannon Miles. And um, Shannon, you've got a new book coming out. And, uh, and the book is called The Third Option. And um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit in the in kind of the, the, the pre-interview before we started, we talked a little bit about this and um, yeah. I think it's a, a just a fantastic concept and good timing for it. So tell us a little bit about the book. Thank you. I am super excited about it. It comes out April 10th um, and it is called The Third Option, like you said, but the tagline is why a woman doesn't have to choose between a career and family, but can actually have both and succeed. Because I think a lot of times, and I've had this in my own life, that we're forced to make a choice between working full time outside of the home or not working at all for whatever reason, whether that's you decide to start to have babies or maybe you have aging parents and you have to leave the workforce for that, for that reason and that season to care for them. But the truth is there are so many options in between those two choices that we need to have a conversation about, like as a society, and there's not one right or wrong answer to it. So it's it's my story, my journey over the last almost 13 years now from when we had our daughter and the stories of a lot of other primarily women who've been in similar yet their own unique situations. And then it's some really practical tips like how to make a decision about if a third option is right for you. And if so, then how to make it work for the long term. Well, and I, I think it's a really important topic. Um, and, and, and the reason I think that I, I just observed um, you know, as we had kids that, you know, the, the trade-offs and the pain that my wife went through trying, you know, because it's what the thing I noticed about it is that this is a really polarizing question for women. Um, you, and, and you're either on the, I'm the career woman side of it and you're still having, you know, trying to have a family and, and balance and, and juggling that, or you're on the other side and, and you're the stay at home mom. And, and what we see with a lot of them is they feel like they've given up 
something. Yeah. And uh, I think in both cases, there's that, that feeling of I'm, I'm not complete in all areas here. I'm sacrificing one for the other. And I think that just creates a ton of stress and a ton of guilt. And, um, and so talk about the third option. What, what's the third option and, and how do you get to that point as a, a woman in the modern working world? Yeah, it, it is. It's truly owning your work and your your life balance. You always hear about work life balance or work life integration, but for a lot of women, it seems unattainable. So for me, it was a part time work at home position that I crafted with the company that I was with when I had Rainy. For other women that I've interviewed as part of this process, it's I could not go into the office one more day. It was toxic. My commute was horrible. My health was suffering that I didn't even have another option planned out, but I knew this one wasn't working for me. So I quit. And then I came up with this contracted part-time work from home solution, you know, and more and more people I'm seeing, it isn't even part-time it's full-time. It's just, I can do it all. I just can't go in the office and do it all. So I want to be there to get my kids off to school or to, to coordinate healthcare for my parents, but I don't want to have to leave the house and go into this soul sucking job with this commute to do it. And so it's more and more 30 plus hours a week people that are working virtually that have basically just said, you know, I can't, I can't take the status quo anymore. I have to dream bigger in my life knowing that time is short, I have to make a decision to change. And then I actually have to take action and do something about it. Well, and there, there are actually now so many more opportunities than there were. Uh, I know our, our oldest daughter is, is 18 this year. And 18 years ago, in 1999, uh, when she was born at the end of 99, there weren't all these options. I think largely because the supporting technology didn't exist to yeah. really make it work well. Um, but, but things have changed a lot in, in these, you know, short 18 years. Um, you guys are a big part of this. I mean, you're right at the center of it because not only are you, you know, are you working virtually, your entire company is virtual, but you're providing opportunities for people, men and women who, uh, who want to work that way. As you kind of made that, that transition, what were some of the obstacles that, that kind of got in the way and, and things you had to work through to make it work? I'll let Brian speak to this too, because he's had to wrestle with a lot of these, you know, as he's worked virtually as well. But I think there's sometimes a stigma attached to working virtually that if you want to work from home, it's because you're lazy and you don't want to work hard when actually the converse is true. Like when you're working at home, you have something to prove, like you love the situation and you want it to work. So you're working extra hard to make sure that it works. And the time that you're actually home working, like it's focused, intense work time. Like how many times have you heard somebody like in the office say, I just have to go home to get something done, right? Like it's true. You actually end up working harder oftentimes in a, in a remote situation to, to combat the stigma of, oh, if you want to work from home, I guess you just don't want to work hard and you're lazy. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, this book that Shannon just wrote, The Third Option, I think, um, you know, it, it talks often about you know, women and their, their struggle with it. But the truth is a lot of women are married to a great person, a great man. And, and then, and that's that man and together the husband, they've, they, it's their, it's their issue as well, you know? And so the create the dialogue in the house, I think this book is a, is a great catalyst for that because it's, you know, oftentimes today, you know, households rely on two incomes. Right. When one of those incomes is kind of at jeopardy, 
it creates incredible stress. And, you know, th it, this would give, you know, relationships a tool, I think, to kind of talk around that and what's best for them. Mm -hmm. Because there are tons of you know, opportunities available for people to work from home with great, meaningful work mm -hmm. and great pay. Um, they're out there. You know, and Shannon and I meet tons of people that are incredible workers that um, are highly productive. Mm -hmm. And yet they've got a foot in both you know, their family and what they need to do there and then a great foot in their career. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think this book is incredibly timely for, for families and especially for women. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm, I'm excited uh, to, to see it come out. And I think, you know, Brian, with with your book coming yeah, you know, out before this, the two of them work really well together. And uh, I want to talk just briefly, uh, you know, about your book and make sure everybody knows how to how to go find that as well. Um, because I think as a business owner, you want to look at both of these. I think this is the future of the way we're going to work. And uh, we, we operate as a completely virtual company. Um, and, uh, and we have now for five years, I think. Um, and I think this, is, this will be our fifth year. Um, and before that, we were mostly virtual, but I had an office. And I was the only one that went to the office. All of our team was elsewhere. And I finally realized this is stupid. You know, uh, why, am I, why am I putting myself through this? Um, but I think it's the way of the future. But there are... I think there's a stigma, you know, you mentioned the stigma for, for employees. I think there is that, that same stigma, stigma for companies being perceived as, yeah. um, you know, not a, not a real or a legit company. Um, yeah. But I will tell you, we have been able to hire better talent because, you know, we just, in fact, we just added a, a team member from Belay who's in, you know, Alabama, about six hours away from us that we couldn't have added, you know, here locally. Uh, my my assistant is uh, four hours away in Orlando, and uh, she's a super talented woman who was a you know had a, a really great career. began you know became a stay at home mom when her kids were born, and then they got to an age where she had time and wanted to be doing something, and it was a way to get that talented person in that I couldn't have done in a traditional environment. So I think I think this is the way of the future. I know you guys think that too. So. Brian, just kind of give everybody a quick introduction to your book and where they can find it. Yeah, sure. So it's the, the book's called Virtual Culture, The Way We Work Doesn't Work Anymore. And it's really just our observations over the last seven years, you know, how we've seen large corporations struggle with bringing in new leaders because they don't want to work in an office. And so there's a leadership deficit growing in large enterprises today. And then you've got startups saying, I refuse to build an office. I refuse to do this. We can do this all virtually. What tools do we need to do to do this? And so we're, we sit in this unique space in our business where we deploy people to work in these types of organizations. Um, so I, I would just say to the, to the business owner that has their arms folded against this idea of virtual work, it's a tsunami. It's coming for you. If not in this decade, the next. And I, and I, and I, and I think that, you know, the, the prudent business owner will step up and say, okay, how do I really address this? How do I really get ahead of this for the sake of our business? And it's not just small companies, large enterprises are struggling and thinking through how do we send people home? How do we get the productivity we need out of them? And what they're finding on the other side of that decision is they're more productive than ever before. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's really our observations in the first part of the book. And then really the other part of the, the book for virtual culture is our playbook for how we created a virtual company. Um, it's not the playbook, but it's, it's what we did inside our organization at Belay to create a meaningful company that people wanted to be part of, where adults were trusted, 
and we could produce a really great result all without an office. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, you know, we've got, I've, I've received a, a ton of great feedback. It's been really fun to, to hear how this has impacted organizations and leaders and has challenged their conventional thinking about offices. Uh, but you can find that more information about it at virtualculturebook.com. And I, I, I really so appreciate the fact that you've written all of all of the thinking down that went into building it because I think we're at such an early stage of this trend. We're all trying to figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah. there is not one right answer, but there are a lot of good answers out there, and um, and uh, and yours is is just a fantastic resource for anybody that's looking at it. Um, and if you haven't thought about it yet, uh, you, you need to, to really think about it. In fact, I was just having breakfast this morning before the interview with uh, uh, a longtime client who just uh, had an employee had had to relocate to a, a city two hours away, didn't want to lose the employee. And and, you know, he was really like pulling his hair out because, you know, he's a, he's an older guy, uh, been in business for a long, long time, almost 40 years in business. This was a new idea. And I said, why don't you just, you know have her work over there. And we talked it through for about an hour and a half and he walked away with a plan and, uh, and, and they've just completed their first week of working that way. And he's like, it's was a huge success. I don't know why I was worried about it, you know, and it's working (laughs) great. It's actually opened up a whole new market to him. Now she can go call on prospects in in that uh, other city. So uh, there are a lot of different ways that you can look at this. Um, and uh, Shannon, before we wrap up, I want to make sure that uh, we let everybody know where to find your book. Um, it's out; it'll be out by the time they, they hear this. So, where where can folks go to find your book? Yeah, they can go to mythirdoption.com and order the book there, or they can go to Amazon to order it. There are also a lot of resources on that site too, and people um, have the opportunity to review and share stories about how their third options work for them. And I'll say at virtualculturebook.com too, there are some amazing resources to help companies, whether they're already virtual or thinking about going virtual, um, that'll help them sort of navigate those decisions. So check out both those sites. Okay, great. And, um, we're going to do something special. We've never done this before, but um, but we're going to do it because I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm nervous for, now. No, Hi. for folks who are listening, go to our go to our website um, and uh, go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash podcast. And uh, and when you find this episode, I want you to leave a comment and describe either what you intend to do to move to a more virtual company or what you're doing now. Share your best ideas and what's working. And uh, we're going we're gonna to find the best comment there. And we're going to send you a copy of both Brian's book and Shannon's book. So go to unstoppableceo.net forward slash podcast and, and uh, share your ideas. Because I think this is worth having a conversation about, you know, with, with the audience. And um, everybody's got good ideas about how to make this work. Um, so any final thoughts you want to share with everyone listening before we wrap up? First of all, thank you for being a long-term client. We're yeah, super thank grateful. Thank you for having us on. And, um, I just want your listeners to know that they don't have to do this alone. There are organizations like ours or other organizations that are built around supporting growing businesses and organizations. So don't let the idea of virtual scare you from thinking, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be isolated and alone. There are organizations like ours set up there to, to support you and cheer you on. I think one thing that I would say is that, you know, this, this idea or this notion that you can own your business, not run your business, uh, um, is, 
possible. You know, you might be in the weeds today and you've got to do a bunch of tasks that are, you know, very low level, but you know, you're in your, you're thinking that you're in the business, but it is very possible. And we know that a lot of leaders are actually pretty lonely, you know, and, and, and I just would encourage those people that, you know, go back to the thing that you fell in love with when you started your business, that passion that was there at the first day of your business, when you went and filed for that license or you funded it or whatever, you know, and, and go back to that and then start sharing that with other people so that they can get excited about that love and that passion. And what you'll find is you won't be alone and you'll find people that will pick up that vision and carry it forward for you so that you can start to own the business and not run the business. It's completely possible. Yeah, it is. And it's closer than you think. And I think that's the important thing for folks to understand. Thank you guys both so much for investing some time with me this morning. This has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we finally got to meet and, uh, and uh, looking forward to uh, diving into your book when it's released uh, here shortly, Shannon. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes. 